What is up, freaks? Welcome back to Tales from the Crypt. It's your boy Marty Bent here, coming to you from Charleston, South Carolina. Matt and I are away from each other yet again. We had a couple weeks there. Where were we together? A couple or just one? I think two. Well, we had one. Maybe two. We had one with the new mics, at least. Yes. And next week, next week we'll be reunited again. We will be reunited. We'll be back on the good mics. Um. Yeah, big week, big list this week. Uh, let's jump right into it. This week's episode of Rabbit Hole Recaps brought to you by the Cash App. You'll know all about them. Use the code Stacking Sats when you download the Cash App. You're going to get five dollars. Five dollars going to go to Alice Across, and you get all of their uh, the beauty of the Cash App. You get to buy and sell Bitcoin. You get to stack Sats. You can send Sats from the app to your personal wallet, from a personal wallet to the app, and then you get their Boost program. Uh, you get a specialized Boost card. It's accepted anywhere. Visa is accepted. Uh, you go use it at partner merchants, and you save money. Use the code stacking sats, get that five dollars, download the cash app today. This episode's alto also alto. This episode's alto. This episode's also brought to you by Unchained Capital. We talk a lot about multi-sig security and Unchained offers multi-sig vaults for both individuals and businesses. Unchained's collaborative custody model is a great way to improve security, create redundancy, and reduce risk of single points of failure while also retaining your sovereignty and control. Unchained also offers an integrity. An integrated, I can't speak today, freaks. Unchain also offers an integrated lending platform with its multi-sig vaults. If you need liquidity but don't want to sell your Bitcoin, they offer easy access to loans using Bitcoin as collateral. Collateral is always stored uh, on-chain and is dedic- in a dedicated multi-sig address with the option for you to hold a key so you always have control. And your Bitcoin is never rehypothecated. You always have at least some level of control. Uh, on top of this, there are Beast Bitcoiners working on supporting multiple open source projects. If you haven't already, make sure you go check out these projects. There's four of them right now. Slip39 is one. Smart Custody, one word, is another. Hermit and Caravan. Check them out. Go to unchained-capital.com. That's unchained-capital.com. Halfway there, freaks. This episode's also brought to you by bullbitcoin.com. You Canadian freaks out there, if you're looking to stack sats, Bull Bitcoin is there for you. And it's got a beast team as well. Uh, they're you can set it up with uh, the many different wiring systems in Canada. They're going to coin join your coins for you, so they're working on your privacy. And then on top of that, there will never be any shit coins on Bull Bitcoin. They're a Bitcoin-only company focused on building out an infrastructure so that Bitcoiners can take over the world. Uh, if you are not in Canada and you cannot use Bull Bitcoin to stack sats in your native country, do not fret. You can go to BitcoinOutlet.com and get some of their SWIC, their SWIC, their SWIC swag, their SIC swag. Okay, bullbitcoin.com if you're in Canada. Go check them out. If you're out of Canada, bitcoinoutlet.com. Last but not least, we got our friends at Casa. Uh, you probably have heard all about them this week. They dropped their Casa Node 2, which is a big upgrade. I believe it's a Raspberry Pi 4 with one terabyte SSD. Um, it's got four gigabytes of RAM. Is that correct, Matt? We're going to talk about this in the episode, but yes, it looks pretty dope. Okay. Yes, well, beyond the node. Uh, how confident are you in your key security? What keeps you up at night? Our friends at Casa have drummed out one of the smartest and most secure ways to hodl your Bitcoin. No KYC, no altcoins, no fees on your Bitcoin, no one's standing between you and your keys. Uh, so get that peace of mind for your stash with the world's one of the world's most secure multi-sigs. Use the promo code TFTC to get up to $250 off your Casa membership or hit their team up directly at membership at team.casa for a free demo or put them to the test with your hardest offset questions as well. You can ask them whatever you want. So if you want to email them, membership at team.casa. 
if you want to check out their website, keys.casa slash keymaster, if you want to check out their multi-sig stuff. Matt, what the hell's going on in Brooklyn? What am I missing today? Is it raining still? Congrats on that ad read. Well done. It's never it's never easy in the morning. Um, two things to rip off that ad read. Uh, the, the first thing is, you know, a lot of people say it's hard to be a Bitcoin-only company. But meanwhile, we found four fucking awesome Bitcoin only companies to sponsor this podcast. So it's, it's not that difficult guys. Um, the second thing is you had a, you misspoke and you said all two instead of also, um, I forgot Alto. Yeah. I forgot to bring them up, but Alto dot financial is coming out really soon and that looks pretty promising. So I, it rung a bell when you said, yeah, it. well, let's, let's start out with that. That actually did ring a bell in my head too. I think subconsciously I've had Alto film financial on my mind uh alex last name leishman right um i'm not sure he runs S sf bitcoin devs right yeah i met him in regal last year really good dude um so this is a one-stop uh bitcoin shop for your higher end bitcoiner if you will like somebody wants to buy more bitcoin and custody it in one spot with like a white glove service is that correct but they also support self-custody yes it's like what coinbase used to be it's going to be like Bitcoin. It seems like it's going to be Bitcoin only, reoccurring buys, so you can easily stack sats, Lightning Network support, self custody, or they can custody it for you. Yeah. And these guys are on Twitter too. So if you want to check them out, at Alto Financial on Twitter. Yeah. And that's um, Alto.Financial is their website. Anyway, they're coming soon and you can join their uh, like waiting list. So it's just something to keep an eye on. Yeah. Totally. Um, what else do we got here? You got again. We got a packed list. A lot going on this week, dude. Let's start. Well, let's give them the price. Let's start with China. Let's give it. What's what's the oh, current yeah. price? Current price according to the TFTC.io ticker is waiting for a refresh. Waiting for a refresh. Refreshed. It is currently eight thousand five hundred forty dollars and forty eight cents. A little bump yesterday, right? Yeah, we got a nice um, little pump. The current block height is 598,764. Bang, bang. Getting closer. Only a uh, 1,000. All right, here comes some Marty math. 1,236 blocks until we get to block 200, or excuse me, 600,000. It's coming. It's coming quick, boys. But hey, we got some lady listeners too. It's coming quick, freaks. Yeah, boys is more of a metaphor. Uh, so uh, you recorded with Safe yesterday for Real Vision, huh? I did. It was an experience. It was fun. Uh, yeah. So after I interviewed Rao a few weeks ago, we had uh, we chatted for a while after our conversation, a recorded conversation, and he uh, made me abreast of the fact that Real Vision is doing a gold versus Bitcoin, what will save you, uh, series, and uh, asked if I knew anybody that would be good for uh, the series. And obviously, Safe was the first person to come to my mind, and they didn't have him book yet. And I said, yo, I can reach out to Safe and we can talk about the differences between the gold standard and the Bitcoin standard. And Rao was very receptive to that and invited us to and invited me to conduct an interview with Safe on his uh, platform. So I was very gracious for that. Um, Safe and I had an incredible conversation. I think that's going to be some great uh, fodder for the traditional finance world. A uh, great introduction to Bitcoin uh, for them. And then on top of that, I also recorded an episode for TFTC with Safe that will be out next week. Uh, it wasn't too much overlap with our real vision, real vision conversation. More talking about 
his new website, his course, um, his thoughts on academia and a bunch of other things. Awesome. I've only heard good things about the course. Uh, I mean, it's just fucking badass that you, that you, uh, recorded for real vision. I've been a subscriber since they started and, uh, it's kind of unreal. Yeah, that was not, I mean, it was unreal for me. I have same. I've been a subscriber for a while now too, and just a huge fan of their content. And I think, uh, for financial focused content in uh, today's day and age, they are, uh, at the top of my list, just the, the long form conversations are, are the best type of content to have right and you get five minute blurbs on cnbc you can't really dive into topics and get really good uh you can't get a really good lay of the land yeah i mean and i i think the, the f- i love the idea of the I, yearly I, subscription too you know i just feel like yeah. it aligns the incentives really well it's like here you know you're paying for the content you're the customer um we're going to do everything to to help you understand things better yeah, and it's only one hundred and eighty dollars a year, so that's like fifty cents a day, less than that. Um, so, if you're looking to get into it and you have one hundred and eighty bucks to spare, if you want some quality f- uh, financial journalism or coverage, I would check out Real Vision. And then, yeah, if you guys are Real Vision subscribers, uh, Safe and my interview with Safe should be out either next week or the week after. I imagine that would be one of the first release because we did a pretty thorough coverage of the gold standard and the bitcoin standard i'm gonna be like a proud mom watching you on video i'm gonna be a nervous wreck i'd probably have my fat face which like cleanly shaven we got stuck in the rain before we started uh recording so i was like a little wet and like frazzled Uh, but i love it yeah no it was a lot of fun though so Um, on to bitcoin news you saw on the Bitcoin news. Well, before we even get to Bitcoin, I think like the biggest story of this week is like the China stuff, like China and the NBA and all that stuff. Well, I want to talk about that now. I wanted to. I figured we start on a positive note. There's actually been a lot of big Bitcoin developments, so we we stay yeah, happy. Let's do that. We stay happy. Then we go to well, like why we're actually fighting this fight. I like that. Let's do that. Okay, so let's start with the cold card update. Um, we love the cold card here at TFTC. We have the guide up on our, our YouTube channel. Um, the, the biggest issue with the cold card up until this point, uh, like really the only glaring issue was that uh, it was you couldn't verify receiving addresses on the cold card screen uh, if you use the SD card to shuttle your transactions with uh, PSBT, partially signed Bitcoin transactions. Now you can. So and that's important because if your computer is compromised that you're using to view the receive address, then the receive address can be changed. But if you view it on the device, um, you know, it's you're viewing it offline, you know, through this secure element on the cold card. Uh, so that's really fucking dope. Uh, and, and that was made possible by at HODL wave. Uh, so shout out to him because it's a really it's a really slick implementation. You could either view it on the screen or you can load it on to load the addresses into a txt file on the sd card and view it on your computer yeah it's uh again shout out to hodl wave uh they announced that he made this pr like a couple weeks ago right so this is a pretty quick turnaround yeah it's fucking fantastic um, yeah and so like a uh, other um a few minor changes for very specific multi-sig situations that it also come with this update and improves error message that is shown uh, when depth of your XPUB of multi-sig cosigner conflicts with path details provided in PSBT or USB show address. 
And then when you don't know the derivation paths for a multi-sig wallet or when all do not share a common path prefix, uh, it's not going to show anything. So it'll lead to less confusion, hopefully. One of the cool things about this implementation is, so depending on you know, what software you're using your cold card with, it uses like different derivation paths. Um, so the way, the user-friendly way that cold card handles that for the address explorer is when you first go to open it, it asks you which address is the first address that was shown. So like not only are you confirming that address, you're using that address to, to basically state the derivation path, which I thought was pretty fucking slick. Yeah, it's pretty creative. Um, and then more good, more big Bitcoin news or good Bitcoin news. I don't know how big it is, but eh, I thought it was pretty big. I wrote about it this morning in the bent. Uh, you have the, there's a new Zap Android app update available right now with some really cool features, but they're also um, releasing a desktop update later this week. Uh, first off, the Android update comes with full channel management, invoice expiry option setting, improved QR code scanning, Italian translation for all you Italian freaks out there and bug fixes. Uh, so the Android app's just getting better. And then Zach announced, Zach, I can't speak today. Jack announced yesterday that Zap will, um, the desktop app will allow you to sign and verify messages from the app, which is pretty cool. And maybe a quote unquote primitive for uh, identity and reputation systems on the Lightning Network. Not, it's not obviously not fully fleshed out yet, but you can see how this may be uh, a building block towards building a reputation like market on between lightning nodes yeah basically every lightning node is a uh, public key private key uh pair so you can sign messages with that with those keys to to prove that you own the node um so we can tie reputation to individual nodes uh it's it's very intriguing i'm excited about the prospects of this uh especially i mean people should be running their nodes through tor um, so it doesn't tie you to an IP address at the same time. The, the Zap Android app update, I know you don't have an Android phone, so you're not as excited as I am, but it finally brings us up to feature parity with the, the iOS app. So like for the longest time, the Zap Android app, you couldn't, you couldn't even manage channels. You couldn't add channels. You couldn't remove channels. Um, it was just like a watch, a watcher wallet. You can just like view. It was like, uh. So this is this is really big uh, for us Android users. Welcome to the club. We're glad to have you. This is like it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. I... Zap was the first time iOS people had a, a app superiority over Android Bitcoin users. So glad <laughs> to see that getting minimized. Again, if you uh, I was using my Zap iOS app this morning, um, checking our channel. Someone opened up a channel with us thinking about reciprocating it and uh following all the invoices we're getting it's again we talked who do we i believe we talked about this with american hodl on monday um but it is crazy seeing how how many lightning transactions people are using over on-chain transactions for our contribute page like even the 50 dollar, 45 dollar, the 50 dollar shout out contributions like people buying us bottle of whiskey for $45 most of them are paying in lightning now which is pretty crazy to see yeah i just i i i much prefer the flow of a lightning payment than a traditional on-chain bitcoin transaction so whenever possible i prefer to pay that way yeah and 
again, it's uh, the Lightning Network is still in its nation stages. It's almost what twenty four months old. Um, yeah, it's still very it's young, year, super young. Two year birthday, and again, like, yeah, it had it has bugs and it's a little finicky at times, but it does seem to be improving pretty constantly. Um, over time, and and teams like Zap are are doing incredible things to just push the envelope, push the ball forward, and for his amount, for the amount of shit that the Lightning Network gets from a lot of people, um, you wouldn't know by the developments that are that are happening on it. Yeah, I mean it's beaten all my expectations so far. So constantly yeah. surprised. Yeah, and then um, staying in line with the privacy tip here. Uh, really cool um, tool that I found earlier this week. Uh, did the guys from Samurai build this, or did somebody just take OXT.me and build this? Uh, no, the themselves? Samurai guys built this, KYCP.org. Okay, yeah. yes. It's been out for a yeah. couple months, a month and a half, two months, but they just updated it and improved it made it even better. Yeah, and it's uh, basically an explorer where you can use to... Uh, basically audit your UTXO uh, privacy and ch- ch- do a chain analysis on your own UTXOs essentially to see how how uh, linked your UTXOs are in the blockchain and, and the degree of anonymity you may have at any given point in time. Um, yeah, exactly. So I thought the name was clever too. Uh, know Your Coin Privacy, KYCP. Uh, so it's a play on KYC and it's a nice acronym. Uh, and the other thing just to keep in mind is if you are doing it to view your um, transactions, you should at least use a VPN, uh, if if not Tor. And if you use Tor, you can keep switching identities, which is a good idea if you're going to look up multiple transactions, um, just in case any kind no, of logging is uh, going on or anything like that. Yeah, and luckily for you freaks, the, uh, the team at Samurai has checked all the boxes and they have that warning uh, right by the the bar which you would put your transaction ID in. So they're yep. they're trying to make you aware that you should use Tor VPN, switch identity frequently for your privacy. It is a bit of a hassle, but it's worth it, right? Exactly. And it kind of reminds me of what we were talking to Janine about. Um, where it's it's great to see more tools that allow us to analyze the chain. Um, instead what she said chain analysis versus chain surveillance or what was it? Chain uh but I, chain analytics first chance of yeah maybe that's what it was she made a distinction and and that's that's what tools like this provide us so it's i think it's really important for people to be able to actually look at their transactions um and and see what kind of information they're leaking you know how they're connected to each other and, and it'll, it'll make all bitcoin users um better bitcoin users yeah um so go check that out kycp.org shout out to the samurai team for putting that together it's a really cool resource check out your privacy check out your utxos this next tool i'm pretty excited about um i met this guy at BitDevs. Uh, i think he was i think he might have been chain code residency uh his his twitter tag is at zero x b one zero c and he just came out with a new tool uh mempool dot observer uh it's really fucking badass. It basically it's monitoring all transactions and showing you uh, the time um, it gets broadcasted to the nodes and their the fee rate. 
Yeah, it's a pretty cool visualization. Um, the best mempool visualizer I've seen to date, at least. It's got a very, um, very granular um, filtering, too, if you want to filter between SegWit spends replaced by fee uh, transactions, multi-sig transactions, BIP69, whatever it may be. Um, you can sort of filter that out and just scrolling across the chart, uh, just seeing uh, just seeing where like the average fees fall based on how red the chart is and being able to to look at individual transactions is really cool. So yeah, shout out to 0xb10c on Twitter and uh, b10c.me if you want to go check out his website. And then uh, you can also see... Oh, you should all... Yeah, go on. Should also shout out the name of the website. It's mempool.observer. Yeah, I think I did earlier. But either way, um, I it's also interesting when you look at it, you can see that there's certain wallets and services that use hard-coded fees because there's like uh, thick lines on, on round numbers. I see it on uh, 30 sats per byte, 80, 70, 20, uh, which is yeah. interesting. Like round number, if you're using... If your wallet or service is actually using a fee estimator, it should not really ever uh, hit round numbers like that. Yeah, no, that is funny. Uh, you can see that pretty pretty clearly too um, on the chart. Yeah, so go check it out, mempool.observer. Um, do you think these visualizations help with understanding how to transact better? Do you think this will lead to better transacting on a network? Is this a site that you would go check before transacting? Yeah, I think so. I think, um, you know, people are visual people, right? So seeing, you know, readouts in a command line don't really do it justice. Uh, but actually seeing the data nicely visually presented uh, makes it very clear for people uh, where they stand, how they're using the network, how other people are using the network. You know, he has another tool there um, that lets you actually, you know, see, view the current mempool, or view his current mempool because everyone technically has a different, mem a slightly different mempool. Um, and you could actually put in your transaction and you can see where you rank among the the fee rates of other people live, what they're paying and what, what they're, you know, of transactions that are in the mempool. So stuff like that, I mean, will make us all uh, more efficient Bitcoin users, right? Uh, and especially especially when wallets support the easy ability to boost transaction fees and stuff like that, people will feel more comfortable paying low fees because it won't be the end of the world. They can easily just boost it after the fact. Yeah. Um, so dope tools being created, dope stuff coming out, and we're not even done. We're not even halfway through the dopeness of this week in Bitcoin uh, hardware and software developments. We got two new nodes on the market as well. So not all... Uh, the not on samurai collab has finally hit the market um so their their new red provably faster uh node is uh is out um a little bit of consternation with the price point it's 849 dollars but uh, as matt will tell you it is probably justified due to the hardware so if you want to jump into the hardware specs i and explain i'm super excited about both these nodes uh we've got the casa node 2 and we have the not samurai addiction I can safely recommend both of them. Uh, very, very happy. They're, they both have major spec bumps compared to their previous models. Um, the Samurai uh, Noddle has, is going to have Dojo fully out of the box, which is Samurai's 
um, the way Samurai interacts with a full node. So you're able to just run, you're just able to plug in your Noddle, uh, Dojo's running, you can pair it to your phone uh, with Samurai app on it, and you'll be able to just do mobile mixing on the fly from your phone, super easy. So they're giving you a full stack there um, that's just really easy to use, but powerful. And as as with previous Noddles, you, you get all the the other features they have, such as Electromax uh, support, you get Lightning support, you get BTC Pay support. And what's really cool about the Noddle is they they went with a, a Rock Pi uh, chip CPU. So it's a six core CPU. That's neither, they used to use a Rock 64. The Casa is using a Raspberry Pi. This is a different chip, even though it's called a Rock Pi. So it's a little bit confusing, but it's six cores, four gigs of RAM. And what's really fucking cool, I think, is that it has two one terabyte SSDs on it. So so it's they're running in a in a in a raid uh, formation. So so they're constantly backing up each other. You do an update or something, one of the drives fails, you have all your channels, you have everything, it's it's already backed up in the device. Um, you know, if, if there's some other kind of unforeseen error or something like that, you you got that redundant drive. So I think that's fucking huge. Um, the Casano 2, they've upgraded from the Raspi 3 to the Raspi 4, which is way more powerful. Um, and they switched from that spinning disk that they had, a regular hard drive on the last one, to a full one terabyte SSD. So this thing's going to be a powerhouse compared to the previous Casanode. And the price points are both very good price points. You have the 850 for the Noddle, which is like more for a power user. And then with the Casa, uh, I think it's a $400 uh, after this like pre-order phase, it's going to be $400. And if you have a subscription, uh, you get it included if, if you have one of their Keymaster uh, subscriptions. And all current subscribers uh, to the to the higher plans, uh, to the Platinum and Diamond plans, are going to get this this new Casa node for free shipped to them, um, which is really badass. And they also included BTC Pay support, which is fucking dope. So on both sides, we have nodes that are full stack experiences where you're able to plug in the node. You know, you're just a regular user. You plug in the node at home. It syncs, and then you're able to pair it up with the individual apps, whether that's a Samurai app or whether that's a Sats app on Casa, um, and 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 receive and send transactions to your own node, which is pretty fucking badass, I think. No, it's incredibly badass. And again, uh, it seems to be the theme this week is slow and steady progress uh, in Bitcoin on both the software and hardware uh sides so yeah both these nodes I, I like the redundancy of the the two drives that the noddle uh samurai collab has that redundancy is huge for for businesses and stuff like that and then casa yeah um upgrading and integrating btc pay it's just the the explosion of functionality and ability that you can utility that you can leverage off these devices is is growing exponentially in my mind and that's the crazy thing like once you for you freaks out there don't run full nodes yet or haven't run full nodes it doesn't even need to be a dedicated hardware device that's the most calming thing uh in the bitcoin world for me over the last six months is just seeing how once you have this stuff set up like we've been running our node and our btc pay server for our site pretty much non-stop without any hiccups other than like one update one or two updates i believe um, that we had to do pretty quickly. But other than that, just it's been set it and forget it, which has been incredible. Yeah, and I mean, our Noddle is one of the largest routing net, uh, nodes on the network, um, and that's been running since January-ish, I think. 
without a problem through Tor. I mean, people are are rightfully concerned that routing nodes on on the Lightning Network might become more centralized. Um, but I think things like both these nodes are are powerful enough to run a high performance routing node through Tor anonymously. So I, I don't I don't really think it'll be that much of an issue because because we will have that we'll have the capability that that any normal person whether they're running it on their own hardware or what, whether they're running it on one of these purpose built nodes can can have a high performance lightning node and help and help routing on the network yeah it's um slowly but surely freaks is happening we're going to wake up one day and uh bitcoin's just going to have taken over the world and that's Again, I've talked about this before on the podcast, but I think a lot of the the altcoiners and the people trying to build the DeFi world are really approaching the the uh, the space in the wrong way. And a lot of people think a lot of money and innovation is going to be made from protocols, but I really think it's just going to be uh, a big push to form fit uh, existing businesses and business models with Bitcoin functionality and things like these nodes and BTC Pay server really make that a lot easier. Um, and I think that where maybe where a lot of the money to be made in the future is, especially if you um, aren't technical and building on these protocols, you can certainly learn how to leverage these systems and help other people uh, f- again form fit their businesses to be Bitcoin compatible. And then the all right, good news keeps rolling. Async, uh, which is a startup behind uh, the Eclair wallet, which is a Lightning wallet, uh, different implementation than LND. Uh, they just got an $8 million raise. Um, who was part of that raise? Yeah. They're the third largest implementation of lightning. You know, you have LND, you have C lightning by Blockstream, and then you have async, uh, and their implementation is a mobile, mobile first implementation. And, uh, they use it to run their, their mobile wallet, Eclair, which is a great mobile wallet. I think it runs it runs a full lightning node on your phone i think it's android only right now but i'm not positive on that um but either way they raised eight million dollars in their series a which is huge and i seeing seeing raises like that for for integral bitcoin companies is always always a good sign yeah shout out to the async team uh congrats on your raise and uh looking forward to seeing what you guys do with that money what you build and what we can play with um, this is this story's got Matt O'Dell all over it. Tor removes eight hundred, about eight hundred old relays, about fifty two hundred updated notes. Uh, so they removed about eight hundred old relay nodes, and about fifty two hundred updated nodes remain. Correct. I'm assuming this is a good story. So it's about thirteen and a half percent of the the old relays have been removed. Uh, the majority of them were middle relays, which go in between uh, different Tor relays, and then a, a few of them. Uh, were actually exit relays, which uh, allow you to connect to the wider internet. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's I, it's good news in that in that the old the old Tor software was you know had a bunch of issues in it, so they they want to remove it for you know privacy and security reasons. Um, I thought it was particularly interesting because you know you have this large distributed project that needs to update. And they've discovered that a lot of people running nodes are just, you know, they're running it on some server somewhere and they forget about it and they don't update it and they don't pay attention to any, um, 
you know, they, they, they tried to reach out to as many node operators as possible, telling them to upgrade. Originally it was like 1300 were too old. Uh, and now it was only 800 when they actually, they haven't actually even done the update yet. They blacklisted them from their like semi-centralized name servers. Uh, so like that, that's always been a complaint that a lot of people have had with Tor is that there are some aspects there that are, are pretty centralized uh, and you're kind of relying on Tor to act in good faith. But I just, you know, I, I, from a Bitcoiner's perspective, I thought it was interesting uh, in how they're handling this upgrade where they blacklist the old nodes that are going to be incompatible. And then um, hopefully that'll encourage some of those people to update. And then in a, a month or so, they're going to actually push the update that will um, like hard code the you know that won't be compatible with the, with the older with the older nodes anyway i mean around 87 percent of the nodes being updated up to date seems like a pretty pretty strong network no no i agree absolutely agree i think it's definitely a, you know overall it's a positive news um and it's a good time to remind you guys that uh if you feel so inclined you should run a tour relay uh as long as it's a middle relay you shouldn't have any issues uh legally speaking uh, the exit relays have a lot more issues uh, because some countries will hold you liable for what comes out of your exit relay, uh, even though it wasn't your traffic. So go run a tour relay, guys. Uh, it helps Bitcoin and, and it helps it helps uh, free speech around around the world. Do your part. Do your part. Um, here is where we take a a negative turn in this week's episode. <laughs> Um, here's where we get to civil liberties and civil rights and the right to free speech and, and freedom of association and movement. We're going to start with Adobe. Uh, so Adobe and other software providers have cut off Venezuelan users from cloud services due to U.S. sanctions. So we, uh, we see uh, corporate America being forced by the long dick of the U.S. government to uh, cut off Venezuelans from designing services, which is pretty ridiculous in my mind yeah i mean and this is particularly fucked up because adobe and others uh don't offer offline physical versions of their software anymore right they pushed everyone into these subscription cloud models um and now we're seeing the negative effects of that because at the end of the day uh the cloud is just someone else's computer and they can block you off so now all these people um all these venezuelans who have done nothing wrong um are losing, you know, whether what if their work is involved with using Adobe and stuff like that, all their saved work, like they have to get it all off the platform within 20, uh, by October 28th. Um, so short warning and they don't really have good alternatives. So, um, it's, you know, this sucks to see, this is why, this is why open source is important. This is why distributed networks are important. Um, because at any moment, the, these services can be turned off from you. And uh, that's not something we should be okay with. Yeah, and just throwing salt on the wound of, of the Venezuelan situation here. Like, I, I would imagine that some of, the Venez some of the smarter individuals within Venezuela that have held off or, or stayed in Venezuela in a, in a hope to rebuild the country and stuff like that a lot of them may be designers and and, and workers that are that are working for people abroad using these softwares for their livelihood uh and just to have adobe straight up cut off those people from the, the ability to make money 
given their current situation just seems like poor for it but also we should probably note that adobe their hand was probably forced in this situation there's nothing they can do Um, yeah the government probably stepped in here yeah there's it's u.s sanctions they had no choice they're a u.s company um the the solution here though is that we shouldn't be in a situation where american companies have the ability to shut you out uh, because they will inevitably if there's a centralized authority they will inevitably have to shut you out yes Yes, this is becoming uh, more and more apparent by the week uh, as as the world seems to be going crazy, dude. Um, so, again, the next topic is the, the fact that multiple corporations this week have bent the knee uh, to China. Let's just list off some names right now. So, Vans, ESPN, NBA, uh, Blizzard was another. Um, so, you have four huge corporations there. ESPN even went so far as to post like a, an image of China with the, the South China Sea uh, dotted line, like showing that that's their territory, which is very controversial. It's technically not their territory uh, right now. It's still supposed to be like international waters, but you have all these U.S. corporations. The NBA in particular is kicking people out of games for holding up signs that say Google Uyghur, which is the, the Muslim minority that is being euthanized, or, or excuse me, it's being sent to con- concentration camps and some of them are being euthanized as well and sterilized and their organs are being sold to the highest bidder uh, in countries like Saudi Arabia. Um, and you have corporations like the NBA kicking American citizens out of stadiums for uh, exercising their right to free speech to say, hey, we're, we stand with Hong Kong. In America. We do not accept. Yes, in America, in Washington, D.C., in, in the capital. In Philly, too. Fucked up shit, yeah. man. Right. And I so you what, said ESPN, but ESPN's parent company is Disney. It's important that yes. people realize yes. Disney is involved here. That's very important. Like Disney's involved and there's like especially with the movies, like Disney's so involved that in China has invested so much money in Disney and all these in Hollywood basically that you cannot say bad things about China in movies anymore. Like it is it is blasphemous to the investors of disney and in, in hollywood in, in disney's uh recent movie dr strange there's uh, a tibetan monk in it and they changed it into a white woman because china disapproved yeah so you american freaks out there listen up like we have a country that's basically infiltrated our or the corporate level of has infiltrated corporations excuse me within our country and now they're uh, exerting their policy on these companies and making sure that these companies uh, sort of fall in line with China's way of thinking, which I think is is not uh, not a good thing at all, especially considering the human rights violations that, that China is egregiously uh, guilty of. Did you see the South Park episode? I have not. I've been waiting to watch it. Did you watch Those it? Those guys fucking killed it as usual fucking right on point everyone should watch it uh they made it available free but and it's not behind like a subscription wall or anything it's they're not checking ip addresses so people in china can view it with vpn and whatnot which i i thought was pretty badass um look at the end of the day these companies are acting um from a profit motive as they should uh they're, you know, they're being greedy as is expected, and they, they want access to this huge market, which is China's uh, billion people. Um, what is our solution here? Our solution here is, is to be aware as consumers, be aware as citizens. Um, 
You should be boycotting their products. You should be supporting free open source software. You should be supporting distributed networks where this is impossible in the first place. Um, and and yeah, and let's let's make their let's let's make their influence uh, less relevant. Well, we'd love to say that, right? But these these companies, Disney, Vans, Blizzard, the NBA, are like cornerstone companies in this country. Are people really going to stop going? Like, I, but I don't know. I don't know if boycott's going to happen. I do think the uh, the public is forcing the hand of these corporations to pick a side, though. So you have Blizzard came out, and they basically uh, there was a player, I believe, on a live stream. That held up a sign that said "Free Hong Kong" or something like Where that. Where he yelled it immediately. Got, he, he, yeah. And then they not only did they kick him out of the league, uh, and they confiscated all of his pay, all of his prize winnings that he got this year, but they fired the two guys who were giving the interview, like the sportscasters who were giving the interview. Um, and right now, you know, you don't fuck with gamers, man. Blizzard has a huge fucking PR problem on their hand. Uh, people are uninstalling the right. game. People are protesting in all these different ways. Um, so, I mean, I do think protest works. Uh, I, I, as I, I think we both support free markets. You know, so if you support free markets, like regulation doesn't solve this, is what I'm saying. Like a lot of people are saying, you know, let's stop these companies from from bending the knee to China through, you know, let's have politicians stop them. And I, I wholeheartedly disagree with that. Like, I don't think regulation solves anything here. I do as well. Yeah. No, and no, I think, but I do think, yeah, public, uh, maybe I'll take that back. Maybe protests will work. Because you see, uh, specifically with Blizzard, their situation, you had Epic Games, the creators, is that Epic? The creators of uh, Fortnite? Yeah. Yeah, they came out and were like, hey, you guys can talk about whatever you want on our platform. And so you have that sort of yeah. All the competing uh, ones did pretty much. They all jumped on, yeah, exactly. on the on the chance to do it, and that's why competition is important. Um, I mean, NBA has a major fucking issue on their hands here because it seems like they're we're gonna hit a situation. You know, the season hasn't even started yet, and it seems like we're gonna hit a situation here um, where people are just every random NBA game. There's gonna be signs about it now, and uh, well, so it the, should be interesting. Well, the NBA. The NBA has been making a huge push into China ever like since Yao Ming. Like AI is big over in China. Uh, Harden's big. Houston Knicks? Rockets in general is huge. I'm talking about like old NBA, old NBA players. Like Stephon Marbury is like huge. Yeah. He's got like statues in China. Yeah, he was like um, a nobody here, and then he went there, and he's just fucking yeah. making bank. Yeah, but apparently the, the Chinese are just as angry at the NBA as the Americans are at the NBA too, because they feel like the NBA is not being loyal to them uh what the, where the hell was i going with this oh no oh, where i was going with this is so like if the chinese are mad at the nba as well and they pull out investments there's rumors that the salary cap in two years can be cut by like 15 percent. so like all these huge contracts that are being signed right now with projections of, of revenue growth and salary cap rising over the next few years could be severely impacted by this this instance. Well, I mean, all their growth is in China right now. They're even like this preseason. They not only did they invite Chinese teams to play in America. That's what that Philly game was. That's what that DC game was. But we have NBA teams going to uh, China to play. Um, so yeah. it really couldn't have been worse timing for them in that respect. Uh, and it should be interesting to watch it play out. Yeah. So Donald Trump. 
Donnie is meeting with the, the Chinese officials tomorrow for, for another round of trade talks. We'll see how that goes. I'm not holding my breath for, for world peace, but we'll see. So on our, we, we talked about this, uh, I think, two weeks ago, but the Hong Kong Free Press uh, had their BitPay account blocked. Um, and I, I think I mentioned there that like BitPay was like the, the new PayPal in that every time they pull one of these shenanigans where they freeze people's funds um, or block people from using the platform, which in this case, this is what they did. They actually took their funds that they, that they had already uh, received as donations. Uh, becomes an advertisement for Bitcoin and for BTC Pay. So Hong Kong Free Press has, has switched to BTC Pay. It's live now, um, self-hosted, and you know there's no centralized company there that can block them from receiving these Bitcoin donations. Yeah, shout out to the Hong Kong Free Press for uh, a quick uh, cucking of BitPay and getting on the right right team and, and downloading BTC Pay server. Again, this is like you said the. Uh, the slip up of the BitPays of the world, the PayPal's of the world, just acutely highlights the need for Bitcoin and the power of Bitcoin. Like I was saying earlier, we set up our BTC Pay server six months ago, and we've just been receiving anonymous donations without a hitch, no problem. Uh, and I would also like to say, like, consider donating to Hong Kong Free Press. I have donated. Um, I, I someone on Twitter mentioned that he he donates using uh, Bottle Pay uh, to like any like any journalist on the ground he sees who's recording and posting good video content from the protests, support protests over there. Um, and also consider opening a channel to their, to their nodes. So they have liquidity. We already did it with the TFTC node and, and you should consider doing it as well. Help out people. We're all in this together. Decentralized finance, DeFi, DeFi, DeFi. I've, I've said for a while, the only thing that's DeFi in this space is Bitcoin. That's true. I mean, be, the ability to provide some random stranger on the internet with liquidity and the ability to send and receive sats, it sounds like decentralized finance to me. I mean, the key uh, part of the DeFi acronym is that, is it an acronym? The, the, the key part of DeFi is the D. You know, you need the decentralization. Otherwise, it's, it's fucking just finance. And, uh, you know, I think Bitcoin is could be more decentralized. It's still not decentralized enough, in my opinion. But it's uh, by far the most decentralized. So there you go. Yes, and we fight for we fight for decentralization because the world is going crazy, and uh, we have to fight against Orwellian despotic laws in, in the modern age. One of which is starting to to unfold. You have the the combination of state and corporations again this time with amazon and police stations in their in their ring surveillance service so we talked about that a few probably about a month ago now at this point but it seems that 400 uh, police departments have signed up for this more than 400 and, now um, more than 400 and so there is a petition on fight for the future is it a petition or just a letter I it's an open letter to yeah local state and federal officials basically saying this is probably not a good idea <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they're basically creating these mini surveillance networks in residential neighborhoods powered by the ring doorbell cameras. And the, and because you have this partnership between Amazon and the police departments, Amazon is basically shilling it to the police departments. 
They're like, you can have this awesome surveillance network and it, it won't cost you that much. And then the police departments are going out and basically advertising Ring uh, for the residents. I mean, for Amazon to the residents uh, saying, it'll make your community safer and here's a discount code. Uh, and you end up in this really sticky situation where residents that aren't doing it, even though they're not forced to, their neighbors look at them like, why, you know, why don't you want our neighborhood to be safe? Why are you the pariah in the neighborhood? Um, so we're slowly seeing the surveillance state creep forward, uh, especially in situations here where where our Constitution, you know, might not allow uh, th- this type of surveillance network to get rolled out very easily. But because it's a private company doing it, because it's technically private individuals installing the cameras, um, they're able to roll it out super quick. And as we've seen with these earlier stories that we covered today, is that these corporations, they're centralized actors and at a switch, they can be flipped to, to work against the people. Um, so we got to be very concerned. You know, don't install these cameras. Uh, you know, exercise your rights. You know, tell your local politicians you want nothing to do with this fucking shit. Um, and support organizations that are, are, that are trying to fight this in courts and try and stop it. Um, in addition to this, we also see the city of Miami uh, today is voting on a 30-year contract for cameras. Um, both regular cameras... Uh, license plate reader cameras and flood sensors on all the light poles in Miami City, um, and they they want to give this thirty year contract as a grant to a company for free, um, and that company in return gets full rights to all the data that they collect. Uh, so it's a what? Yeah, it's really it's really really fucked up, and it'll probably pass today uh, in Miami. Uh, so just another thing to keep in mind here. Um, as corporations partner uh, with our government to uh, infringe on our rights and surveil us all the fucking time. Are you optimistic that we can get away from this? Is it inevitable? Like, how many of your family members have have rings or friends? Like, I know so many people that have the ring system. Really? I guess. Yeah. I guess I don't have. I don't have many. Like. Friends my age who have like houses, everyone, you know, there's a lot of people in apartments uh, and I guess ring is more of something you would install in your house. Yeah. Yeah. I guess Philly, maybe I'm missing out living up in New York. A lot of, a lot of people our age in Philly have already bought houses and yeah, I know a ton of people that have, I mean, it is convenient. Like you can see when people are walking up to your door and you can talk to them and say, Hey, get the fuck away from my door. You're not supposed to be here. But uh, as we've seen with not even just uh, outward home surveillance systems, more particularly with uh, with baby monitors and stuff, this stuff has been hacked many times before. You have live streams of baby monitors uh, available on the dark net. Um, so these systems are inherently not secure. It's been proven throughout time. And then again, couple that with the fact that all that data and information may be used against you in the future uh, via the state uh, is something to be aware of. Yeah, I mean, I it's it's not promising. I don't want to. I want to be like a. I do want to be an optimist about this stuff. Um, I I think through more education, through uh, this data being used against us and being used against people around the world, that people will wake up and that we will have, you know more options that are open and privacy preserving uh, going forward so people can get some of these features at least. Um, 
without completely destroying their privacy and their sovereignty? I'm worried, Matt. I'm worried. This week in particular, dude, it just seems like everything's going fucking nuts right now. feels like the shit is tearing at the seams. Are we just reading too much news? Are we just reading too much Twitter? Should we walk away? I uh, I try and I try and you know, at least with certain current events and stuff like that, I try and take a step back um, because you know fear does sell, uh, and and Bitcoin gives me hope. So I, right now I'm I'm optimistic, and you know we know so many smart people that care about this shit, and that are passionate. And I, I have faith. I mean, because look, we lose this fight, we're fucked. So, you know, you gotta, you gotta fight, and you gotta, you gotta be hopeful. What does the world look like if China surveillance states just uh, exported to the whole world? Because that's the slow, slippery slope that we're on right now. Like these ring, these ring bells, these Amazon rings in the future could be used to to not allow you into a house party because your social credit score is, is pretty bad. You've known to uh, to puke at a party in the past, so this ring doorbell is going to let you in. Well, that's pretty scary um, when you go down that route. I I mean, like, and you'll see stuff like, uh, I think Marriott just fired an employee because he, like, liked a tweet that was the Chinese government disagreed with. Um, so you'll see, like, a lot of self-censorship. You'll see people move into more private circles where they discuss things. Uh, where they're afraid to talk in public, uh, you know, public discourse will take a hit. Mass incarcerations, even though we already have one of the, I think we have the biggest prison population in the world, that'll go up. You know, not good things. And and this is why we Bitcoin. This is why you know we support free and open source software. And yeah, and it'll always be a fight. You know, I think there's a lot of progress is being made at the same exact time, right? So it's important to focus on the positives. Yes, as you tweeted a couple hours ago, there are few things more powerful than free speech and sound money. That's what we're fighting for here, freaks. Damn right. Um, we're gonna end it on we're gonna end it on a happy note. Bitcoin twenty twenty. Last day, last day to get fifty dollars. I think tickets? tomorrow's the last day, and you only get it's a hundred dollars okay. if you pay with dirty fiat, and it's it's fifty if you pay with Bitcoin. Get that fifty percent off. It's a fucking deal. Spend some step. Spend some sats and replenish. And that's the way you should do it. This isn't. This is not an advertisement. They didn't pay for this shit. Uh, me and Marty went last year. We'll we sh- we'll be there again this year. Uh, they announced Zabo is going to be Nick. Nick is going to be a keynote speaker, which is fucking huge. Um, and I think they're going to be throwing like last conference was fantastic, uh, and I, I think they're going to be throwing a really great one this year. Probably better than the last one. They're targeting four thousand people. Um, you know, $50 is an absolute steal for a conference of this quality. Uh, I hope to see more conferences offer, uh, accessible ticket prices like this going forward. Cause I, I think we need more of that. I agree. I agree. Um, so go check that out. Uh, I don't have the website right in front of it's me. Bitcoin it's Bitcoin 2020 conference.com. Yep. Yep. Bitcoin2020conference.com if you want to go buy those tickets. Those are all the topics we have. you have anything you want to rip on? Rip on? Riff on? Why can't I speak today? Um, What's going on with me? We wanted to give a shout out to that guy who does Bitcoin walking. Yes, we do. Do you know? Thank you for reminding me. Yeah, I have the like the forgotten topics list open right now. What uh? What else is on there? 
Um, well, I wanted to talk about taxi medallions and New York City rent regs uh, just real quickly. But let's give this guy yeah, a shout out. To... Yeah, yeah. Before we do that, I pulled up his... Uh... So, at Bitcoin Walking on Twitter, Bruce Stewart, I thought he was, I thought he was just some a non-bot account trolling people, but he's been taking selfies recently. He's just a nice man who likes to take long walks and listen to Bitcoin podcasts in Australia. So I want to give a shout out to Bruce. Thank you for listening. I hope we're good uh, good walking companions with you. I love it. I love that our uh, our podcasts are helping making people more healthy. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's always he's, good to he's hear He's not that. the first person who said that. He's not the first person who said Bitcoin podcasts have, have increased his uh, his exercise. As many people. Fuck yes. To all you freaks listening in the gym, cheers to you. Get one more rep out. You got one more rep in you. You got it. Don't be a little bitch. So when are we going to release like the the TFTC uh, workout companion? Or we just like yell Bitcoin memes and encouragement to them? Uh, when, we, when we completely sell out, we'll get to that. Level. <laughs> yeah. I do not look forward to it. Um, so anyway, I wanted to talk about taxi medallions and New York City rent regs. Uh, I've been meaning to talk about it for a while, and I keep forgetting. Uh, both New York City buildings and New York City taxi medallions were considered top-tier store of value candidates um, in the last few years. Uh, with the medallions, they were actually relying on a government-enforced monopoly. Basically, the New York City government said that there could only be so many yellow cabs on the road, uh, and you needed this taxi medallion to be one of them. So they hit like an all-time high of like $1.1 million right before Uber came in. And now they're, they've are they just completely plummeted. No one wants to buy them. Why the fuck would you buy them? You could just drive for Uber. Uh, so now they're selling like in foreclosure auctions and shit like that for one hundred and twenty dollars And then at the same time, you have New York City real estate, which is uh, some of the most premier real estate in the world. Uh, and is, is used as a store of value by, by people worldwide, whether they're Americans, whether they're New Yorkers, whether they're Russians, whether they're Chinese, all around the world, people use New York City real estate um, as a store of value. Uh, they just passed two new laws uh, that have completely destroyed the market here, uh, has slashed valuations and just liquidity has dried up uh, because no one wants to buy. And those two laws is one is a transfer tax and increase to the existing transfer tax. So if you do sales over a million dollars, that includes condos and buildings, um, you get charged a higher tax rate. So that, you know, obviously put a damper on sales. Um, And then they change the rent regulations. uh, So they they make it very hard for you to evict tenants. Uh, They make it very hard for you to raise rents. Uh, It makes it very hard for you to put improvements into your building and and get an increased rent out of it. So the incentives are all fucked up and it creates this regulatory environment where people aren't sure uh, what's going to be happening in a year, what's going to be happening in two years, you know, regardless of this whole macro landscape that seems like a complete clusterfuck in terms of the economy. They now have this additional uncertainty of the local regulations uh, and, and we see that on even a more extreme level in, in places like Hong Kong, where people have like $100 million buildings, uh, that their valuations and the liquidity there just got slashed overnight uh, as these protests continue. Uh, so it's just something to keep in mind here that, you know, when, when you rely on your government to protect your store of value, uh, that shit can change in a heartbeat. And uh, this, is, this is why Bitcoin is strictly superior as a store of value.
Yeah, the government's never going to be able to tell you uh, that you should do something with your Bitcoin. They'll never be able to take it from you. They can try to tell you to do something with it, but they'll never be able to change the protocol to such a way that, that bastardizes the assurances that you have today. Hopefully those assurances will be set in stone into perpetuity. That's a great rip, dude. Yeah, I've enjoyed it as usual, and I look forward to... Uh... I look forward to seeing you in person again soon. Good luck out there. I'm excited for your uh, your interview uh, with uh, Jared. Uh, he's got a yes. J- yeah, continue. Jared Dillian. Yeah, Jared Dillian taking a taking a trip up to Myrtle Beach tonight uh, to to sit down and record with Jared Dillian, who's the uh, author of the Daily Dirt Nap, which is a financial markets and macro newsletter that goes out to a lot of traders and fund managers jared has been uh slowly but surely becoming more interested in bitcoin and more recently he's been gone as far as to say that if you don't own bitcoin you're you're an idiot i don't think he said that exactly but basically paraphrasing that um so yeah i'm gonna go have a conversation with him tonight hopefully um it'll be a good one yeah i mean his newsletter is fucking fantastic uh and it's uh it's it's been an absolute pleasure watching him uh turn into a bitcoiner so I'm I'm really yeah, excited to listen to the conversation. I think it should be pretty insightful. Yeah, I feel like he's a caterpillar in a cocoon right now, and I'm gonna go have this conversation, help him bloom into a beautiful butterfly, and just just become a a, a, a shameless Bitcoin uh, shill. I love it. I love it. All right, freaks. That's all we got this week. Shout out to our sponsors: uh, Cash App, Unchained, Bull Bitcoin, Casa. Shout out to you, freaks, for listening. Special shout out to Bruce Stewart for walking. Keep it up, bro. Stay humble, stack sets. Peace and love, freaks.